into our message for today. For those of you who are new or newer to grace, we're going through the book of John. We're walking through the entire book, beginning to end. And we're following the the Apostle John's invitation to see Jesus as the Son of God and believe. To believe. Today we're going to be in John chapter 1, verses 35 through 51. If you want to turn there in your Bible or Bible apps. Today's message is entitled, Come and See. You know, you, you, we have that kind of experience, right? When, whenever we kind of uh, behold something or see something, whether it's, uh, I, I know uh, uh, recently things like when Jane has seen like a bald eagle. You got to see this, come see this. Or when there's a beautiful sunset on the horizon, right? Come and see, you got to see this. Whenever we behold something that's just amazing, out of the ordinary, or just, just absolutely beautiful, or, or, or even we're attracted to things that are kind of even grotesque, like, God, you got to come see this, right? There's this sense of like, you won't believe me until you behold the evidence like I do. And you won't, and we want you to share in our experience, right? You got to see this nasty bug on the ground. Our kids, our boys, you know, you got boys, right? They love nasty things. Come and see. Believe with me. Share in this with me. John now is inviting us through Jesus' calling of his own disciples for us also to be called to come and see. So that is my prayer this morning for us, that we might see, that we might come together today. Let's go to the word here as we read through the passage and then we will pray. John 1, verse 35 through 51 The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and you will see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him at that day. For it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, So you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, Kepa, which means Peter or rock. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and he said to him, Follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We found the one of whom Moses in the law and all the prophets wrote about, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, 
come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and he said, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Let's pray that we also might come and see. Jesus, thank you for this invitation that John has captured for us, which is not just to your first disciples, but to us as well. And Lord God, Spirit, move among us that we would surrender, we would respond. And God, that we might be privileged to have our hearts and our eyes open to see Jesus. Not that we are physically blind and cannot see, but God, that we are spiritually blind and we cannot see you as you are. We do not see how desirable that you are, Lord God. How worthy you are. Oh, Jesus. Only you can move and work among us as you told the disciples. The Father who sent me, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. So, Father, do their work. Do your work now. In your name we pray. Amen. As we heard in our last message about John the Baptist and his role was to be second. His role was to point to the one to come. His role was to, to, to be that that uh, herald going before a king and saying, prepare the way, prepare the way, the king is coming. And so we have in verse 35 here, John the Baptist seeing again Jesus, and he says and declares, behold the Lamb of God. These words are significant in that that he was declaring the Lamb of God being both the humble servant leader. This humble king. But also the sacrificial lamb, the Passover lamb. You, You see... When the Apostle John is writing, he's really, he's really steeped in the Old Testament. That's the first half of the Bible here. And, and he's making allusions back because his primary audience is to Jewish people. And he's saying, look back. When I refer to the Lamb, look back to the Passover. Go back to, to Exodus. About the lamb that was sacrificed and the blood that was put over the doorpost so that death passed by the Israelites. Behold the lamb of God. As we, his readers here, follow John and his unveiling of Jesus, with the first readers of this time, they wouldn't catch 
all the depths. You see, John is always presenting Jesus at multiple levels. This is a book that you read through and you get to the end. You're like, oh, wow, I see now. And you go back through and you read again and, and, and there's another level. Behold the Lamb of God. Well, his disciples, John's disciples, heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Now, normally, another rabbi would be like, hey, where are you guys going? We got a party going on here. What are you leaving me for? They, there would be some jealousy. There would, there would, there would be some uh, you know, personalization, some offense. But John knew his purpose. He was second. It wasn't about him. He'll later say, no, Jesus, he must increase. I must decrease. It was never about John. And so he's eager that his disciples would see and follow Jesus. And so they ask him, what are you seeking? What do you, Jesus asks them as they, as they come after him, as they follow after him physically, he asks, what are you seeking? What do you really want? And they asked him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Now on the surface, they may seem like a very simple kind of practical question. Like, where, is you, where are you lodging? What hotel are you hanging out at? Where's your tent? What kind of tree are you sleeping under? They seem very practical. But the word here is a word that John will use later. Where are you abiding? Where do you remain? Where's your dwelling place? You see, the disciples were asking more than what they were asking for. Are you catching my drift here? They didn't really realize All that they were asking for that Jesus is going to respond to. Because Jesus, when he responds, he responds at another level. Like we just talked about earlier. You got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. People like, mind blown. Okay, this is disgusting. And some people literally walked away because they're just like, this is gross. We can't get this. And Jesus says to them, come and you will see. Or come and see. And he's not talking about, as Jesus does this, he's not talking about come and see the tree. It's a great tree, by the way. I got a nice mat rolled out. See where I'm hanging. That's not what he's talking about. Come and see me. Come and see. Come and live. Come. Jesus, or John Calvin Let's just be clear that John Calvin and Jesus are not the same thing, okay? Just want to be clear there, okay? John Calvin has this to say. He says, we ought not be satisfied with a mere passing look at Jesus. But that we ought to seek his dwelling, that that he may receive us as his guests. For there are very many who smell the gospel at only a distance, And thus allow Christ suddenly to disappear. And all that they have learned concerning him passes away. And though those two persons did not at that time become his ordinary disciples, yet there can be no doubt that during that night he instructed them more fully so that they soon afterwards became entirely devoted to him because they saw. They saw. So Jesus says, come and see. 
to these first disciples. Now, their experience, we see that it was late, it was nighttime, and, and so they stayed with him. You can imagine the depths that Jesus shared. You can imagine what you could glean and hear from Jesus of just sitting at his feet for four hours. Man, what we wouldn't give for that, right? And John moves to give testimony here about one of these two members was named Andrew. In the other accounts from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we don't hear much about these other disciples like Andrew. But Andrew was one of the first to begin. And not only was he one of the first, but he was one of the first, he was the first to be a witness, a Christian witness of Jesus. Because what does he do? He goes and he shares with Peter, his brother, we found the Messiah. He's responsible for Peter. The rock. Not, not, not the other rock, you know, the wind today, but... Anyways, Andrew sees and believes. And when you see and when you believe, you can't help but say, come and see. You get that? When you truly see and believe, you can't help but say, come and see. The Messiah, what that word means, refers back, going back to the Old Testament again, is it, it means the anointed one. This was the name, the title given to those who were anointed as king. The first that happened in the Old Testament. We're in our cover-to-cover class. Uh, where we're reading through the Bible in a year. We're going through First and Second Samuel. And, and King Saul was the first anointed. But we always look back to David. He was the, the king. The king. The king with the promise. The king that in the line that Jesus would come down, he was the anointed one that the Jewish people were awaiting. We were waiting for a king like David to come. The anointed one, the Messiah, the Christ. Christ isn't Jesus' last name. It's a title. Jesus, the king, the anointed one. And Peter comes at the testimony of Andrew to see. And, and, and Jesus, he has this in, incredible encounter with Jesus. And he's given a new name. You know, when you come to Jesus, it may not be like Peter, where you're given a very prophetic and specific name of, of Peter or, or Cephas or Kepa, which means the rock. Jesus was speaking, as I like how D.A. Carson puts it, he was speaking into not who Simon was already, but who Jesus would make him to be. Jesus gives you a new name when you come. You are a son. You are a daughter of the king. You are a beloved. He gives you a new name. In Jesus, when you come, you are a new creation. The old is gone. The new is come. And you need to, some of you need to stand in that. Because you keep going back to the old names and past. Or the names the world has put on you. Jesus gives you a new name. If you will come and see. The story continues. The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him. Follow me. 
Once again, this is not just an invitation to Philip at this time, but in our invitation as well. When Jesus calls us to come and see, when he says, follow me, there, there, there is a leaving behind, friends. Jesus is working in you. He's calling you, every one of us. If you haven't come yet, he is working. He's calling you. He's beckoning to you. Now, come, follow me. But that means there's a leaving behind. You can't continue to trust in, rely on, serve the things that you serve now and live for. You've got to get up. You've got to move. You've got to leave those things behind and take hold of Christ alone. There is sacrifice in following him. There is commitment. We can't do this from a couch, friends. You can't do this behind your phone. You got to go. You got to get up. You got to follow him. You can't do this in your comfort. Follow me. Philip. Philip saw Jesus as he was to the extent that he now also becomes a witness just like Andrew was to Peter and Philip in verse 45 finds Nathanael and says to him, we found him who Moses and the law and the prophets wrote about the Jesus of Nazareth, the son of God. Philip is referring again. He's going back to the Old Testament. He's going back to Deuteronomy where, where Moses explained that after me will come a prophet sent by God. Who will be a prophet forever. Who would be God's revelation to us. Nathaniel of course here gets hooked on uh, Nazareth. And uh, it's, it's kind of like you know. It's kind of like Minnesota and Wisconsin I suppose. That can anything good come out of Wisconsin? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Well we know Jesus Jesus wasn't born in Nazareth, was he? He was born in the city of David. But this is significant because Jesus, his life and ministry was always veiled. It was always veiled. He was born, he fulfilled the prophecies of the king, born in the city of David in Judea and Nazareth. But he grew up in Nazareth. I'm sorry, Bethlehem. He grew up in Nazareth. And evidently nothing good comes out of Nazareth. His life and ministry was always veiled to those who only saw through the flesh and saw as the world saw. We got to see him as he actually is, the son of God, and receive him. Philip knows that the best way to just address any kind of resistance or conjecture from a skeptic is to say, come and see. See for yourself. You make your own judgment. Come and see. Come and see. And so Philip follows. Truly curious. Interested. And Jesus, verse 47, Jesus and Nathaniel have this really powerful interaction here. 
Jesus sees Nathanael coming, coming before to him, and, he's, and, he, and he proclaims out, Behold an Israelite indeed, or a true Israelite as some translations say, in whom there is no deceit or no guile. And what Jesus is speaking to here is about Nathaniel's, Nathaniel's just this kind of, he's just real. You know those people who are just, who's just straight with you, right? Like they're not, there's, there's, there's no duplicity, there's no like hiding what they think. You know what they think. And they're not going to filter it for you. He's straight up. There is no guile. This word deceit here is used in the Greek uh, uh, translation uh, in reference to Jacob. In terms that he is full of guile. Remember Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel? That he got his blessing from his dad by deceit. He was a very deceitful, duplicitous kind of guy. But not Nathaniel. He was straight. He said things as he saw them. And Nathaniel says to him, he reacts to him, he says, how do you know me? Like, he, he, he could sense, you know, that feeling where somebody just gets you. He's like, how do you know me? You get me. Like, to the core, like, you totally understand who I am. There's something going on. Nathaniel's hooked, right? He's taking the bait. He wants to hear more. Jesus says, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now, we don't know exactly what Jesus is speaking to or what happened under the fig tree or what was going on. But but it was supernatural that Jesus saw Nathaniel. So significant that Nathaniel responds in this way, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Nathaniel knew from this experience, whether it was, he knew that this was just some private space that he was hanging out. He knew there's nobody around. Nobody knows what's going on. Nobody knows this, this space. This is my personal space. Jesus saw him. Exactly that space. He knew it was a fig tree. Whatever it was, Nathaniel knew this is something that only God could know. And he spoke to you. And all of a sudden he sees. And he believes. And Jesus responds to him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? He's like, this is small stuff, my man. This is small stuff. Just wait. You will see greater things than these said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus is like, there's more, buddy. Just you wait. And not only is Jesus' statement here for, for Nathaniel, but it's also John saying, he's hooking us in. He's giving us the bait. Like he's doing with Nathaniel. He's like, keep reading. Keep reading. Come and see. You see, this is a track. This is, this is an evangelistic tool that John has created to invite people to come and see and to know Jesus. Keep reading. 
Because what you're going to read is going to blow your mind. And by the end, you can't help but fall on your knees like the Apostle Thomas and say, my Lord and my God, you will see. You will see greater things than these. Jesus says this, this, this statement that's a little bit kind of maybe uh, confusing or veiled for, for us. You'll see heaven open and angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now, those of you who've read through the book of John, you'll be like, ah, you know, I've read through this a couple times and I, there's, no, like, there's no incident like this going on in the book of John. You know, is Jesus, is this just a letdown? Is he failing to deliver? What's going on? Jesus, again, speaking at another level, a deeper level, he's making a reference back to the Old Testament. Significant reference here, back to the Old Testament, to Jacob. The founding head who himself would become Israel. Who had a dream. While he was sleeping on a rock. And the dream of heaven opened and the Lord and the glory of the Lord before him. Let's read it together. Genesis chapter 28. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place of sleep. And he dreamed and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Does that sound familiar? And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God... Of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust on the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the month and north and the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Jesus saying, You will see. Angels ascending and descending is that you will see the vision of Jacob. You will see the Lord. You will behold his presence because I am God in the flesh and all his glory. Behold, the vision of Jacob stands before you. Come and see. Jesus' invitation to all of us is to come and see. We may not have Jesus in the flesh, but we have historical, profound evidence that's undeniable of Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph, was a real man and came. Undeniable evidence of his testimony concerning him and his life that he lived. We have it recorded, and it's irrefutable, in fact. We may not be able to see him physically as the disciples, but we can see. We have evidence. The question is, how will we respond? Will we surrender? 
Will we follow? Will we leave the things of this world behind? Our security and comforts and pleasures of now and come to him and forsake it. And will we, will we come? Because it's only in the coming that we can see. That we can behold him as he is. That we can see this life for what it is. We'll continue to just get drawn up and living in the moment and living for the now and living for ourselves. And we'll be blind to the addiction that we live in of me, 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 me. It's all about me. I'm king. I can do it. My power. We'll, we'll, we'll never be free unless we come. And when we come, we will see. So the invitation, friends, is come. And for those of us, friends, who have already come, and there are many of you here today, you've seen Jesus. Friends, there's something we can't neglect in the testimony of Andrew and Philip. Friends, if we have seen, if we believe, then how can we not tell others, come and see? The cost is great because we're guaranteed nothing in this life. We have the testimony of a seven-year-old to remind us that we're guaranteed nothing in this life. But we're guaranteed the next. What are you going to do with Jesus? Come and see. If we have seen Kelvin's heart was so passionate, whether it was with life group and teaching the other kids who wouldn't listen to him, or with others at school or friends of the family, he wanted them to come and see because he believed. If we believe, friends, if we've been liberated, if we've tasted of Jesus, friends, how can we hold back and not say, come and see? I want to ask you, is there anything in your life that would invite people to come and see? Is your life a testimony? Not just your words. We're not talking about come to church, come and see Jesus. Are you letting Jesus be Lord and transform you and change you? Are you telling people come and see? Not just with your words, but even with your life. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on forward. As we close out in the song, just as you meditate, whether you need to be seated, bowed before the king, or you stand, you raise your hands, and we sing, take my life and let it be, this surrender to him. If you need to come, come now. Behold Jesus, surrender to him. If you have come, what's holding you back from inviting others? Let us. Let us, if it takes it, drag, kicking and screaming others to come and see. Let us be a witness in our life and in our words. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your testimony. Thank you for coming to show us undeniably that we cannot, we cannot say that we didn't know. We cannot say that there's not enough evidence All we're left with is, do we 
want to live for ourselves and be king, or will we surrender to the true king of kings? Do I want what's now, or do I want eternity? With you, or eternity in hell. Jesus, we pray, O God. Lord, for those whose eyes are veiled, Lord Jesus, we pray for them. Jesus, to get out of their comfort, to get out of their pride, to get out of, Lord Jesus, whatever is the darkness in their world, Lord God, to come. We pray for, for you to set them free, God. And we pray, Jesus, for that work in our hearts, the boldness, Lord, to invite others. We pray for the compassion and the care, Jesus, that we believe you are the one true God. The only hope for salvation. The gate of heaven. In your name we pray. Amen.